this this young lady and how much she loves you we just thank you for the spiritual leader that she is in her family in her friend circle and in her college and lord as she prepares to go on her way to this study experience we pray that you will go with her and just bless her along the way uh, we love her and she loves you and we just leave her in your hands gracious heavenly father we come before you we thank you and we praise you lord we thank you for china we thank you for the heart that she has for you and your kingdom we thank you that she's already searched out where she can fellowship with other like believers. I pray, Lord, your blessing upon her. We pray for provision. I pray, Lord, that you surround her with angels to give her safe travels there and back and safe travels while she's in a way studying uh, the things that you've laid on her heart. Father, I pray that she would continue to grow and be a mighty woman of God, that you will use her for mighty ways for your kingdom. May your light shine through her and that she would touch others while she's in this country, that they would see their need for Jesus. Lord, bless her. Bless her family. Let there be no worries and total safety. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. Fill her now with your spirit as she goes forth and, and that uh, she would just be a blessing to others in a mighty way. We give you the glory, Lord. We give you the praise. We ask it all in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Well, good morning. These lights are so bright. I can't really see anyone, but that's okay. Again, I thank you for allowing me the opportunity to come this morning and share what the Lord has laid on my heart. It is a great honor and a privilege, and I don't take it lightly. You know, I shared last week a little bit about the harvest that was happening in Kansas City. And then I got to thinking about this as I was working on this message to just share with you. I don't know if any of you know who the Lewis Palau organization is, but they were in Seaside Park in Bridgeport last August. I actually volunteered and was on part of their team. And just to give you an idea, over those two days, they had 175 churches involved with 22,000 attending and 800 com made commitments to Christ. That was the only event that the Lewis Plow organization did in the United States last year. They also had planned to go to Argentina back in 2020, but COVID stopped that. And they finally got to go this past November. And between that time of when they were gonna go in this past November, 500 pastors had passed away. But even with that, God still moved. They had a two-day event, and they had over 200,000 people show up, and 22,000 gave their life to Christ. So God is moving, and he loves you and I very much. And he desi desires for you and I to have a deep, loving, intimate relationship with him. But he gave us free will. So we have to decide what kind of relationship we really want with the Lord. The more we press in, the more we receive. And because unfortunately sin 
suffered our relationship with God a very long time ago. Because the Bible says there's none righteous, not one. And our God is just and holy. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. And it's just like when someone breaks the law, they have to pay the price. And for us, we have to pay the price for our sins. But our payment isn't good enough. That's why the Father sent Christ to be the ultimate uh, one to pay the penalty for our sins, you and I. And with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And it's a free gift. We only have to make one decision. That's to accept it. If we don't, we automatically reject it. And if you reject him, then you'll have to deal with the payment of that sin, and it's not good. Because God's never going to force you to accept him, but he's got his arms open, willing and freely desiring that you come to him. And you want to because that's where you'll spend eternity. You want to be with him not the other place, the place of torment. But when you accept his son into your heart and you ask him and confess him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, that relationship is restored with the Father and with him and our sins are forgiven. And what joy and peace then we can have in our life, again, even in the midst of turmoil, the midst of the storms of life. And that's just the beginning. But let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day. I thank you, Lord, for this time to come with these lovely people to share what you've laid on my heart. We ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just fill this room, touch each one here, open their hearts and minds to receive. Thank you for the wonderful worship that we've had. Thank you for the prayers from MA. And just thank you for the kids that are dedicating themselves to study your word. Lord, I just ask your blessings upon this church and bless everyone here. And now help us, Lord, as we look forward to your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Might help if I put my glasses on. <laughs> so it's very important as believers how we live our lives. For we are ambassadors for Christ. We are his representatives. Today's message, you may have seen the, the title, uh, Forgiveness You Choose. It's a very serious subject. And uh, so today is going to be a little more serious than maybe last week, but it's all important. But I want to start with 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 13. It says, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways. Of, of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. Isn't that good? He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which loses their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. You know, one of the major issues with some believers is they're not willing to forgive. Whether it's a neighbor, a co-worker, a friend, 
a church member, or a family member. A lot of times it's in family. And unforgiveness is usually reached by using the bridge of anger, which can lead to bitterness. So I want to spend the next few minutes actually talking about anger. Are you easily angered? You know, most of us don't intentionally choose to be angry, but it happens. There's quite a few reasons why we may get angry. And sometimes, though, we need to figure out where our anger is really coming from. Because it's a tricky emotion that's offering, offering covering up other issues. Anger is used as sort of a mask. It covers up the true feelings like fear, jealousy, or frustration. It's a way of dealing with a situation when you haven't processed the real feelings behind it because there's always something behind anger. Anger doesn't come by itself. It's usually attached to another emotion. Maybe an event happens, the brain doesn't have time or doesn't want to really fully process the situation, and it needs a reaction. So anger is what's used until there's more time to really look at everything in detail. You ever been in a situation where you've reacted with anger, you've blown up, only to find out once you really hear the facts, you're like, now that I know the whole story, I need to apologize, right? I think we've all been there. And it's because we don't always think before we speak. And our words, they carry a lot of power. And we need to realize once we say something, we can't take it back. It's done. We can seek forgiveness. We can apologize. But the words still hurt. They'll resonate with people for a long time. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft and gentle and thoughtful answer turns away wrath. But harsh and painful and careless words stir up anger. You know, I I shared with you at one time, I managed the Oakdale Theater, and I had a neighbor of the theater show up angry, wanting to hit me. I had to interact with him. He had an issue. Some patron had taken, destroyed his landscape lights. And so he was looking for us to replace them. It was our fault. And it was no problem. We didn't have a problem doing that. But he was so worked up, it really thought he was going to, another coworker of mine thought he was going to hit me. But one of the things I did was I lowered my voice and I made him have to work to listen. That brought the anger down. And then we resolved the situation. So it's important that when someone comes at you angry, don't ramp back up. It's just going to escalate into something that's not good. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry at sin, at immorality, at injustice, at ungodly behavior. This is the amplified version. Yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you shame or, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. And do not give the devil an opportunity or a foothold to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. Anger causes a lot of souls to live in bitterness. So what are some of the causes of anger? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) It's often caused by fear. Something happens and it scares you in some way. You may fear that you're going to lose control or that you're going to look foolish, or you're going to be in trouble, or maybe you're going to get hurt. So you respond with anger. Anger is the fighting back at what scares you. So we have to ask ourselves, if we're really feeling afraid, what is it that scares us the most? 
Frustration can cause anger. You ever feel frustrated with someone or something in your life? Sure, all of us have that emotion. Maybe you're trying to learn something new and it's just not quite clicking and so you get frustrated. You feel impatient and you respond by getting angry. You ever seen anybody take something and just throw it across the room because they're trying to learn something and it's not working for them? That purchase of theirs goes into 100 pieces. Well, I saw a friend one time, they get angry through their new iPhone. That didn't do well for the phone. They had to go buy another one. Well, what about if you're stuck in traffic jam, road rage, right? That'll frustrate you because there's nothing you can do about it. You know, there was a time uh, I had a meeting scheduled with Pastor Lubin. I think a lot of you may know Pastor Lubin. He's a good friend of mine. And, and I took a wrong turn. I wasn't paying attention. Hopefully that doesn't happen to anybody here. But I took the wrong turn, and so I knew another way to get where I was going because I was meeting him here in Wallingford. And I took the turn, and all of a sudden I run into construction, and I'm sitting. And so I call him and let him know I'm going to be a little late. But that didn't stop the stress and the anxiety that started coming over because I knew I was going to be late. And that frustration can really lead into things. I was only 10 minutes late, so it was good. But, but, you know, sometimes when you get frustrated, your imagination will start to run wild with all the bad things that are going to happen. You're going to have fear that you're going to, I'm going to lose my job if I'm late. And that could happen with some. Or someone's going to be mad at me. Maybe it would help if we just step back and try to look at the big picture. What do I want to achieve in this situation? How can I do that? And then rather than focusing on the obstacle or the thing that's frustrating you, maybe it's time to talk to the Lord. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? Fill me with your peace. Start praying for the peace. But don't pray for patience unless you want more testing because you'll get it. Anger is also caused when we get overexhausted or overwhelmed with too many things going on. That can cause us to get angry. You can't handle anything else at the moment, but boom, there comes something right on your plate that you didn't want. You don't have the strength to have patience with the situation. Or maybe you're just too tired mentally to deal with it. You know, we often find this with young parents who have their first child. The, the child's crying all night, keeping them up. They're overexhausted. And next thing you know, they're saying things to each other that they're going to regret. That's why it's so important that we get our rest. That's why God gave us a Sabbath to rest. If we're overwhelmed, we need to try and break it down and, again, take one step at a time. Anger can also be associated with a pain from the past, a traumatic experience that has happened in the past, and you've never really dealt with it. Grief. Grief is an overwhelming, heartbreaking emotion, and it's actually one of the hardest human emotions to deal with. And it's actually normal to react with some anger when you're coping with that. I had a brother, uh, when I was 35, he was 38, he, uh, he died suddenly. His wife was pregnant with their first child, and it sent me into depression. It was awful. My father was so depressed, a year later he died. And so the thing I would tell you on that is get some good counseling, get some good Christian counseling, get some help. It's important. I wished I had. I didn't. Then there's jealousy. 
You feel jealous about what someone else has or what they've done. Or maybe it reminds you of, of what your dream was or, or that you're not following what you wanted to do. Of course, the Bible tells us we don't covet others. We don't covet their things. But jealousy is real. Sometimes someone can be looking for validation or approval from others, and they'll go to incredible lengths to please the other person. And then when that other person doesn't react the way they expect, they're going to get angry. They get upset. They feel unappreciated. But we have to let that go and not worry about what others think. The Bible tells us to love God, to love our neighbor, love our enemy, and we got to love ourselves. Anger may come from feeling hurt that you tried to do something that didn't work or you feel betrayed. You might start to feel like nothing ever works for you, that the world is against you, and that's causing you to feel angry overall at the world. We see that. Or how about the blame game? There's some people that they deal with their issues by just blaming everyone else. They don't want to take responsibility for their actions, so they get angry. They feel that that's the way to solve the problem. And unfortunately, if they do that long enough, it becomes a bad habit. It's not a good habit because that habit will alienate your family, your friends. It'll affect your job. You could lose promotions or you might lose your job. You could lose a relationship. You could lose a marriage. Being angry all the time is a terrible, draining way to live life. The Lord wants us to live life with joy and peace an abundant life. You know, I, I shared, I think, last week, again, in God's Word in Ephesians 6, it says our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities. They're always pushing. We can't see them, but they're pushing our buttons, trying to get us to respond in a negative way. We have to learn to not take things personally. We have to forgive. We have to die to self. Remember, it was... Paul who said, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. We crucify our flesh. You know, studies show that people who forgive are happier and healthier than those who hold resentments. Makes sense. sense. The more forgiving people were, the less they suffered from a wide range of illnesses. The less forgiving people reported a greater number of health problems. Did you know if you have unforgiveness in your heart, you actually block healing from God? Proverbs 14.30 says, A peaceful heart lives to a healthy, leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Proverbs 16.21 says, Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, and healthy for the body. Again, our words are important. I don't think I put this in the for the slides, so forgive me. But Jesus said in Matthew 12, 6, that each of us must give account on judgment day for every idle word we speak. Amen. Now, when I first learned that, it was probably 40 years or so ago, I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't serving God. I was a believer, but I was living some of the world. Sometimes foul language came out of my mouth. But when I saw that scripture, I got convicted and that cleaned up my language from then on. And I thank God for that. Our words count. Our words matter. But the huge impact from anger is unforgiveness. And that's really what this message is about today. Instead of expressing anger, we need to choose to speak and act with gentleness and kindness to one another. 
there'd be a lot less need for forgiveness and we'd all be in better health. Because forgiveness is a choice. I want to share with you a true story. A gentleman named Mark Ellis wrote it. But the story is about a man named Alec Rex. He was driving down a busy street in Adelaide, Australia on February 15th of 2016. He suffered a massive heart attack. And he slumped forward and the car came to a stop. This one young lady saw him. She opened her door. She rushed out. She's trying to get him out of the car, but she didn't shut off the ignition. The car starts taking off again. She actually has to let go because it got up to like 30 miles an hour. She falls down, and the car crashes into another vehicle. But she was okay, thank God. And so she got up. She goes. She was a corrections officer that just got off work, and she started administering CPR. She thought for sure he was dead. Now, provincially, an ambulance was among the vehicles caught in this traffic jam from this accident. So a couple of doctors raced over and they started working on Alex. The police report said that Alex was resuscitated five times at that accident. That means he died five times. They put him in the ambulance and took him to the hospital, but they thought he was dead. They had little reason for hope. But Alex surprised them. They didn't know what to do with him, he said. He goes, I came back to life. I was thrashing about, punching them. I came back to life. They were stunned. And then according to the MRI, that his heart was badly damaged because one of the main arteries was blocked. So they put a stent in it. And the hospital also discovered he had pneumonia in his lungs. So they placed the Alec in an induced coma following the surgery. His heart was so badly damaged that they went to his wife and said, there's little chance of him surviving 10%. And if he does, he'll probably be a vegetable. But God, but God was about to demonstrate his power in a way that would surprise all of them, the doctors, everyone. Alex says that he found himself standing in front of the gate of hell. And on the other side of the gate was Jesus. He said everything appeared two-dimensional like he was watching TV. But the... Jesus said to him, I am the Lord God. I am going to heal you and make you new. Alice recognized that as Jesus was speaking to him, he could also read his thoughts. It's no surprise there, right? But the Lord impressed on his heart, I will do what I want to bring your healing. I will show you the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the next thing the Lord shows him is a sea full of people. He said, I couldn't see their faces, but they were all joined together in chains. And the Lord said, these people call themselves Christians, but they couldn't forgive their brothers and sisters. He told Alex, pay attention to the parable of the unforgiving servant. And he instructed him about its meaning. He told him, he said, during this experience, he said, I'm also going to bring a worldwide revival that's coming that's going to be greater than anything, greater than the Azusa Street or the Welsh revival. There will not be anything like it. It's not just people getting saved. It's the bride being made perfect without spot or blemish. You know, we are the bride, the believers. We are the bride. And he's looking for us to be perfect without a spot and blemish. That's why it's so important how we live our lives. The Lord communicated to him, what the world deems insignificant is what I'm going to use in this revival. Now, Alec was in the coma for three weeks. Again, the doctors even debated at that time to turn off his life support. But God had breathed new life into his body. He said they were going to count, on, 
turn off the switch and God brought him back to life. It was a medical fact that he was dead for 20 minutes in the hospital. His brain was now 100%. Praise God, everything changed. Alex said, I'm one miracle after another. He came out of the coma. The head ICU nurse told his wife, Beth, your husband's vital signs are 100%. The next morning, Dr. Matthew Worley, a cardiologist and professor at the Royal Adelaide Hospital, came into his room, looked at his vital and said, you were dead, but you're alive. You're a miracle. Other doctors were equally amazed. There was the vascular heart surgeon. He shook his head and said, I was there when you came back to life. I was there when they took you, the MRI of your heart. It was so badly damaged. I can't understand it. There is no sign of a heart attack, no sign of scarring. Your heart is 100% whole. When Alec left the hospital, he got a standing ovation from the nurses. This is the guy who was dead and came back. He thanked all the nurses and the doctors, and they were all filled with tears. Alex said he's grateful to be alive, but he's even more ecstatic about what God is doing. He said, I believe the bridegroom is coming soon. I don't know when, but it's exciting. It's an amazing story. Again, true story. So I want us to look now at the parable of the unforgiving servant that Jesus talked to Alec about. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21. He said, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? I'm sure many have heard this. No, not seven times, Jesus, but 70 times seven. Of course, meaning that we always forgive. There's no limit. Again, most of us have heard this, but are we living it? That's what counts. Therefore, in verse 23, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, 10,000 talents is equal to about 375 tons of silver. If we put that in today's dollars, that's $288 million that he forgave him. That was a big forgive, right? It, but it's not about the money. It's about the debt of forgiveness. He couldn't pay, in verse 25. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him 100 denarii. Now, a denarius was equal to about a day's wage. So today, that money might be about $20,000. A lot different than $288 million. It says he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Side note, I never understand when you get thrown in prison, how are you going to pay the debt? But anyway, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven, and he said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And that's what your heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. God has forgiven us. We have to forgive others.
It's not worth jeopardizing our soul not to forgive. The number one reason to forgive is because without forgiveness, there's no remission of sin. There's no relationship with God. We need forgiveness from God to restore our relationship with him. You know, and again, this may not be in the slides, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, I think it would be the worst words you could ever hear as a believer. There's people that were there and they thought they knew the Lord. But his words was, depart from me, I never knew you. We may think we know the Lord, but does the Lord know us? We must do and obey the will of God. I can't tell you how many times in the Word it talks about obedience. You know, at one time I was taught Calvinistic teachings that said, once saved, always saved. And as I studied the Word of God, I said, that doesn't add up, especially when we just read what we read. And then there's a pastor, his name's John, he's in California. He's a Greek scholar. And he was teaching and preaching in his churches. And he said, one day the Lord came to him and took him to hell. And he said, John, you know the truth. You're a Greek scholar. You know the true words. If you keep preaching this false doctrine, you're going to end up here. That changed his life. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, Jesus said, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. That's a terrible place to be. You know, when I managed the amphitheater, I was battling, I guess, or struggling with the call that God had had on my life. And one of the problems I was having was I couldn't forgive myself for the sins that I committed. And if you recall last week, I said once... We've actually confessed that God's forgiven it. Don't go fishing in the sea of forgetfulness. But there I was. I was fishing in that sea. And when I managed the amphitheater for a sellout, there was about 1,000 employees that would work the event, most part-time. So there was no way I could know everyone. But I had a gentleman, his name's Eddie, Eddie LeBron. He worked backstage in security. And I liked him back there because he had a nice demeanor. He never bothered the artists looking for autographs. He did his job, and he did it right. But he walked up to me and he said, can I speak to you? I said, sure. Can we go into your office? I'm like, sure. Can I close the door? I'm like, okay. I didn't really know Eddie. And then Eddie looks at me and says, I can't ignore the Lord anymore. I have to tell you what he told me to tell you. I'm like, okay. He goes, the Lord wants me to tell you he's forgiven you. You need to forgive yourself. And he actually, Eddie said, the Lord gave me a vision. He said he showed me of the Lord standing on a mound with his arms wide open. And he said, you were in front on your knees with your hands raised up. His blood was pouring, rushing over you, and all your sins were being flowed away. Now, he could have knocked me over the feather because he didn't know the struggle I'd had. But that was a huge turning point for me. I was like, okay, Lord, thank you for that forgiveness. I now am not going to fish in that sea anymore, and I'm going to answer the call that you have on my life. So I want to close today with Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 17. It says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. 
And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming on those who obey him, disobey him. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now it is time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. See, we can't take offenses personal. We have to give it to God. We have to seek him, his peace. Unforgiveness and anger has severed many relationships, again, especially in families, to the point that they even forgot what they were angry about, but they do nothing to restore the relationship. And a good friend of mine uh, that I met here, he went to Pennsylvania. He felt called to, to plant a church, which he did. He's retired now. But his older daughter, a sweet girl, her name was Krista, she uh, got married and uh, she just loved the Lord, but her husband was physically abusive and he never stopped. And so her father, the pastor, John, said, you know, it's time for you to get out of this relationship. God didn't intend for you to stay in something so abusive because this man's not changing. But he told her, he said, but you must forgive him. You have to forgive him, but you don't have to keep a relationship with him. And that's what she did. And now she's remarried with a wonderful family. So we have to be careful how we live. We live a life of obedience to God, with love for God, love for our neighbor, our enemy, and again, ourself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time in your word. I, I thank you, Lord. Oh, just to realize the forgiveness that you have for us, the goodness that you have for us. I lift up each one here, Lord. I pray that they would surrender anything that would be bitter or forgiveness, that they would forgive others, or maybe that they need forgiveness. I ask that you bless them. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen.
As my wife, she's going to sing a song, Come to the Altar. The Lord put on my heart to, to bring a call. And for you that are seeing this online, you can still seek the Lord. But I want to give you an opportunity to just come, and I'd be happy to pray with you if you want to pray. If you need forgiveness or if you need prayer because someone won't forgive you, whatever the need may need, I just want to give you an opportunity to come and lay it at the foot of Christ because he wants to restore that relationship. I've shared things, and it's so serious because it could affect your salvation. It's a serious matter. But the Lord is willing to save. You can go ahead and start. Oh, you need my plate? Oh. Okay. So my wife's going to play Come to the Altar. If you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit, don't ignore it. Don't worry about what people think. What's important is between you and the Lord. I'm just here to help you, you know. I love you. God loves you. We want to be a help. And just pray. Pray for those that need this help, whatever the help could be. Or maybe you just need to come pray. Whatever the need is, we're here to help.
I pray that, that the grace of our Lord Jesus and the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would be with each of you. Uh, I hope that you'll be here next week, next year. Next week, the Lord has given me a message that is to really help you to walk with stronger with the Lord, with uh, some illustrations and application, knowing the authority that you have in Christ. And so uh, I know today's a little bit more uh, heavy, but I have to be obedient to what the Lord lays on my heart because it is such a serious matter. And uh, if you need prayer, I'm happy to pray with you afterwards, you know. Uh, we love you. We're here for you. There's nothing too big or too small that God doesn't want to take care of. And so I just pray that he would just bless each one of you here. Thank you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Put it before us, Lord. Put it before us. And in making that statement, I see one person. I see Jesus Christ. And then I see the power of the Holy Spirit working upon those that are within the sound of these words, this prayer, whether it be in this building or online. Specifically, people online. You're welcome in the house of the Lord. Don't make him a life of convenience. God is calling us to be one in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit moves within those that have been listening, those that have ears to hear. And the Holy Spirit moves them before your throne, on their knees, in repentance. And a desire to abide, to remain in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Please stand, respond to how God has spoken to you this morning, whether you be here physically or you're visiting us online. There are people online that will respond to you in prayer, information giving. Whatever it may, you may need in your life this morning, you can find it in Christ Jesus. Kathy?